We are all lost. It is the great equalizer. And it is the only thing that saves us. Acknowledging our pain, shortcomings, and strife, it is what makes the gospel message meaningful. You will never seek God so long as you think that you do not need him. So this morning, Southwestern... Hey everyone, Michael popping in here on the beginning of this episode. I want to welcome you back to another episode of Elevate Retake. And today you're in for a special episode. You know, when life gets busy with school or work, it's important to take a break and to pray. And every year we have the opportunity to partner with Southwestern Adventist University for a week of prayer. It's a time of spiritual emphasis for our students and staff. We get together and we listen to amazing sermons, worship with amazing music, and have the opportunity to hear the voice of God from different speakers. We thought it'd be awesome to share these sermons with you. On today's episode, teacher, speaker, Jonathan Coker. Good morning, Southwestern. There we go. Okay. And in the middle of midterm week, you're still awake. You're still awake. That's impressive. Well, uh, thank you for that fantastic introduction. I, uh, you know, when it comes to introductions, I always wonder why it is that we aren't maybe a little more honest about the people we're trying to introduce. Do you know what I mean? Why don't we, why don't, why don't we include some of the, the other things that are a little less uh, savory? You know, uh, I, 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 you know, maybe we should get around to fully rounding out the person that's in front of you so that you can know. And I, you know, those are the things that we don't really want to tell anybody else about, right? Like, I don't want you to know that I've been pulled over like 30 to 40 times so many times. I've lost count, Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about the time that I stopped up the toilet in third grade and blamed it on someone else, because that's just embarrassing, and we don't tell other people these things, right? They're humbling. No, but really the flaws of a person are the, well, they're really in, they are really an important thing for us to acknowledge. It's important for me to acknowledge my flaws because it is my flaws that are, in turn, the source of my strength. That's actually what I wanted to convince you all of this morning. It is the broken and the poor, the down and out, the neglected, the least of these. They are the ones that Jesus says have effective faith. Interesting. We're going to explore this idea this morning through a story of the prodigal son. But I have not come here this morning to tell you a sermon about the one that was lost and is found. I have come here this morning to preach a sermon about the 99 who were lost and did not know it. Turn with me to your owner's manuals. Wipe the dust off of that thing. Crack it open. Okay? Try to avoid the temptation of using the digital version. I am not going to be able to compete with the DM from that special someone. Put it to the side if you can. I'm in Luke chapter 15. 
I'm picking up on verse 11. And before we go into the word, I'm going to ask God for a little bit of help this morning. Dear Lord, I am unable to do this thing. I don't have enough. I've come here with only a few fish and small loaves of bread. I don't have what it takes to feed this multitude, but I'm going to start portioning it out. And I'm going to I'm going to reach for that faith. I'm going to remember the times in the past when you have provided an abundance. You're going to show up in this place and do this again. You're going to help us this morning to understand this text and to understand you better. I know that you will do this because you have done it before and because I'm asking in the name of Jesus. And so we say, amen. Amen. There we go. Now we're ready. You ready? You see, it's up there on the board and everything. But, you know, go ahead. You can open up the thing. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not, no judging. I know that you have midterms coming up and all that stuff, but just maybe for the next 18 minutes. Can you bear with me? Says, Jesus continued. So we're in the middle of the story. Pastor Swoops, Professor Swoops, uh, and Pastor Michael have already been telling this story. We're in the middle of the story. Jesus continues, there was a man who had two sons, Southwestern. He had two sons. We tell the prodigal son story as if he only had the one. I've not come here this morning to talk about the one. I've come to talk about the other. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. What does that mean? Do you understand the cultural connotations of that statement? He's telling his father, you are worth more to me dead than alive because no one gets their inheritance before the father passes. He just told his father, you're of more value to me dead than alive. What is this telling you about the condition of this first son's heart? He's selfish. This is a broken person. In need of redemption, he is the very model of the person we have all been trained to expect on the outside of the church. He is a lost individual, and he knows it but does not care. And here is the first important point. God is not chasing after you to change your actions. He is more interested in the desires of your heart. This first son does not desire after good things. What's the father's reaction to this hurtful and hateful statement? This demand, rather. Does he strike back? Does he put his son in his place? How often do we act with righteous indignation towards those that hurt us? I know, I'll put him in his place. No one talks to me that way. Does he refuse? Does the father offer anything in the way of retort or rebuttal? Nothing. Look at it. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. It's not hard to imagine what he might have done. 
It's all the same. Every story goes the same way at this point. You know the sore details. You know what he spent his money on. None served any purpose but to bring him pleasure. He was sure that his father had held back all those years and prevented him from experiencing the true good life. So he tried it all. And after all the money was gone, he saw how empty it really was. But that but by that point, he was all used up. After he had spent everything, verse 14, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be not in want, but in need. So he went and hired himself out to, be, uh, to the citizens of this country that he was in to work in their fields, and he found, job, a, jo- he found a job working to feed the pigs. If you are a Jew, you don't want to touch the pigs, much less feed them. He longed, it says in verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. This is a humbled individual. Are you with me? This is a different son now. His heart is not the same anymore. He's no longer proud. He's no longer selfish because he knows what he has done. He's willing to admit it. He's willing to take even the lowest position in his father's house. So it says this in the scriptures. He went, he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. This is a different son at this point in the story. And I love this point of the story. It brings me to tears because I watched this story live out in front of me. But while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. His father is at home. He's searching the horizon, waiting for the figure of his son to show up. I don't understand it. When he sees him, his mind doesn't go to frustration or hurt. His heart is filled with compassion. Can we stop for a moment and just take stock of the fact that we could not design God to be any better than he already is? If we sat here and pontificated for the next million years to try to change one small characteristic of the being that we call God, we could not improve upon him one bit. The story, this story played out right in front of me when I was younger. My mom left the church. She walked out of my family and out of my life. I watched as she walked out of these doors, out of this building. And it hurt. For years, I couldn't understand how how this could happen. The person that taught me about Jesus left him. And for all of high school and all of college and all of grad school, I prayed, I prayed a prayer that I was almost sure was falling on deaf ears. Remember my mother, Lord, wherever she is. 
But you know, this story has a happy ending. My mother's back in the church. And let me tell you, it's fantastic. I, it's an amazing testimony. It's an incredible story. But this is not the sermon that I have come here to preach today. I did not come here to preach a sermon about the one that was lost and returned. I came here to preach about the 99 who were lost and did not know it. I'm talking about the people who were in this building when my mom came back and judged her and sent her running out that back door again. I'm talking to all of us, to all of you, those of us that call ourselves Adventists or Christians. We are the second son. There were two sons, Southwestern. The story isn't over. Pick back up with me in verse 25. The second son, he stays home. He continues to serve his father. He never left. He's doing the thing that he thinks he's supposed to do. This is exactly, this this situation is exactly what Jesus is trying to address in the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking to the crowd and he says, there are some of you out here who think that you have never sinned. Let me tell you, if you've even, uh, uh, now I'm getting all, hold on. I tell you, if you've even uh, 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 thought lustfully of a woman that you've committed adultery, right, right? Oh, oh, I tell you, if you've even uh, um, uh, spoken ill or, or harshly to your brother or sister, that you are treading on the law of God. The second son, I don't know, guys. The law of God is designed to change our hearts, but sometimes it just doesn't quite reach It's like this. When I was a little kid, my dad told me that it was important for me to buy my mom a Mother's Day card. Any of the rest of you? You here? You with me? Does this happen to you? You probably still get a reminder from your dad or from your mom to tell to do it for the other. Am I with you? Are you with me? Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was a little boy, my dad told me I needed to buy my mom a Mother's Day card. And so I bought my mom a Mother's Day card. And I wrote a nice note in it and I gave it to her. But it's with the hope that later on I will understand that I should do this out of the kindness of my heart. Am I still buying my mom a Mother's Day card because my dad told me? The law of God is designed to to bring us to him and to, to point out our infirmities and to change our heart's desires. That's what it is that God wants to do. He wants to change what it is that you like. It turns out that we all come out of the womb liking the wrong stuff. And his whole, this whole effort, this whole gospel message is about making us understand our brokenness and run to him so he can change the things that we want so that we'll desire to send our mother a Mother's Day card. No one will have to remind me anymore because I love her. The first son represents the people that have left and come back into the church. The second son represent the people that are lost and have never left the church. Do you hear the common theme? Everyone is lost. Look at verse 25. Meanwhile, 
The older son was in the field. Where was the father when the first son came back? He's searching for his son, staring outside. Was he in the field? Was he busy working? Are you with me, Southwestern? Can you hear me? What was the father doing? He was searching the horizon for his son. Where is the second son? He's out in the field working. What does that tell you already about the character? What does that already tell you about the status of his heart? When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. I'll leave that for a different time, another sermon, but that's what he heard. So he called out to one of the servants and asked him, hey, what's going on? And the, he's, the, the servant replies, he says, your father, has kill, uh, 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 your father has killed the fattened calf because your, your brother has come back home. What was his reaction? Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. I'm talking to you. What's the condition of his heart? So his father went out and pleaded with him. Do you see how good the father is? Does he go out and scold him? Does he tell him, you idiot, are you not seeing what's going on? Does he put him down? Does he have every right to? Absolutely. The second son is a, is a neophyte. He's an idiot. He's not seeing the whole picture here. And he should be because he's li living and he should be getting this. But his father goes out and he pleads with him instead. His father answers, look, all these years, sorry, uh, but he answers his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed any of your orders. Has he been enjoying his time working for his father? No. We are showing up to church every day and we are checking off all those laws that we are following and we hate it. He's not interested in your actions. He's interested in your heart. He's trying to get it so that you will love it. I did not like reading my Bible at one point. I love it now. Are you understanding me? He's been slaving, and he never disobeyed any of, the, uh, any of his father's orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. He's just as lost. He's just as lost as the first son, but the first son knows it. The second son has no idea that he's lost. But when your son, this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. Have you taken the opportunity to search for your own weaknesses and infirmities? Do you think that you are more worthy of God's blessings than the tax collector, than the prostitute, than the sick? What person of interest in the gossip circles, what color of skin, what sexual orientation, what gender, what political party member can walk through those doors and be scorned by you? We are all lost. It is the great equalizer. 
And it is the only thing that saves us. Acknowledging our pain, shortcomings, and strife, it is what makes the gospel message meaningful. You will never seek God so long as you think that you do not need him. So this morning, Southwestern, I plead with you, I implore you, admit that you need him right now. Go to him. Write a new ending to the story of the second son, one that includes two coming home. You will find him there, your father, watching the horizon for your figure to appear. And you will see him running to you too. Go to him. He is waiting, waiting for you. And then we will be able to say that one more sheep has come home. Grace and peace to you, Southwestern. Amen. 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 Oh man, this message hurt. I love how Jonathan pointed out that the law of God is designed to change our hearts. So often we think it's about changing our actions and there's this checklist that I've got to get everything done. No, God was working all along to bring about a change of heart, a change of desire to reorder our lives. So I challenge you today, this week, to pray about what needs to be reordered in your life. Maybe you're the son who thought his father dead, ran away and did your own thing. Or maybe you've been grumpily serving on the inside, saying, God, why didn't you pay attention to me? Whatever you might be feeling, pray that you seek God out. Sit alone in the quiet with Jesus. Pray that he would order your life. He would order your desires you too could experience his presence and peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of Elevate Retake.